Welcome to AgTech Innovators, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Pioneers of new agricultural technology are a unique breed. Not only do they need the vision and technical skills to tackle the problem they're trying to solve, they also require the business nous to access capital for development and commercialisation. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and what I'm describing is pretty much the juggle most ag tech startups face. And the solution is often found via some external help and funding. Tenacious Ventures works exactly in this space. Sarah Nolet is their co-founder and she joins us for this Ag Tech Innovators podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Sarah, you've got a Master's in System Design and Management from MIT and also a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and Human Factors Engineering. They're fairly substantial qualifications, but they seem a long way from primary production. How did you get involved with agriculture? (laughs) Yes, definitely more background on the tech side than the ag side. We do have a bit of a hobby farm, although I think truly we grow more rocks and squirrels than anything else. So it's, it's not commercial at all. I ended up in agriculture because in my early 20s and ended up decided to go overseas to South America on what was supposed to be a holiday and was living on a beautiful farm in Argentina and something just clicked in the back of my head about farming and agriculture and really saw how technology was starting to change the industry, how climate was impacting the industry. And I was pretty hooked on spending the rest of my career or the foreseeable future thinking about you know, new business models and new technologies and how that could help bring more resilience to the sector. So I ended up staying for a year in South America and that was now about a decade ago. Um, and ever since I've been thinking about innovation and technology and agriculture. Sarah, you've probably kind of answered my next question, but I, I just want to venture a little bit further. I've seen you described as a food systems innovation expert. That's a term some people might be unfamiliar with. Can you explain it a bit? So when I think about a food system, it's really recognition that we need to appreciate things that happen at pre-farm gate, you know, inputs, advice, uh, transport, all the way through to, of course, what happens on farm and then what happens into the value chain before a food or fiber product actually gets to the consumer. And that's a complex system with reinforcing loops and different incentives and business models uh, and natural systems as well. And so we can't really think about it as just a linear model. And so that's kind of one is it's not just food, it's not just ag, it's the agri-food system or the food system. And then in terms of innovation, again, that's not just technology, but if we have great widgets, that's one thing but who's actually using them and why. So thinking about the business models, the incentives and and things like that. And and that's really the whole picture is how do we get more useful stuff having an impact along the value chain and some probably buzzwordy, uh, jargony ways to say it. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a space where, you know, there's a lot of terminology and trying to get your head around it. And and particularly we want to understand Tenacious Ventures and your role in the ag tech startup sector. I've seen Tenacious Ventures described as a high support, high conviction, sector specific agri-food tech venture firm. What's that mean to somebody who doesn't understand the sector? Yeah, sure. So we 
have raised capital from a range of investors who are, some of them are private producers, some of them are agribusiness executives, impact investors, financial investors, and we manage and deploy that capital into a portfolio of companies. So we actually take minority equity stakes in technology companies, and those technology companies are solving problems all along the value chain. So pre-farm gate, farm gate, post-farm gate, um, different kinds of technologies, software, hardware, biology. And so we find support, invest in those companies. And so we spend 100% of our time thinking about what will the future of food and agriculture look like? How are different technologies and business models changing it? And which companies would we want to partner with? And how would we support them to develop their business, build that technology, get those customers? Um, in a range of ways, we you know, support them to do that beyond just the capital that we give them. You've explained that very well, and I understand that pretty clearly now. So when you're evaluating a potential ag tech startup, what are the most important factors you consider when making an investment? There's a whole range of them, and it, it does vary, but I think the easiest, highest level framework is sort of team technology and traction. So the team's really important because we do invest pretty early. And so they might not have a lot of customers yet, or the technology might not be fully developed. And so really understanding who are the humans in, in this business, what drives them, what qualifications do they have, what experience do they have from the same or other industries that's going to help them to be successful. And frankly, that's going to help them get out of bed every day and keep fighting what is a pretty hard slog when it does get tough. And then technology, you know, what are the innovations? What's the intellectual property? How does it actually work? Why is it going to deliver value to the customers? And then traction, who are those customers? What value does it deliver? How are they going to pay for it? And how many of them are there? Is it a big enough market to have the economic upside that we're looking for? So that's kind of a simple framework is team, tech, and traction. That's a fairly simple set of criteria when you spell it out like that. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's not easy to assess and pretty nuanced. I mean, like I said, with the team, it's one thing to look at LinkedIn profiles or resumes, but how do you actually know that they're going to be able to build this thing that doesn't exist yet or that they're going to be able to sell it to people who have never heard of it yet or that they're the ones that are going to hire the right team and raise more capital and be able to talk to customers well? Like Those are pretty challenging things to assess, especially when in Australian ag tech, a lot of the founders haven't done this before. Some of them have, but a lot of them haven't. And so you're not able to sort of say, oh, well, they've done this six times. They were an executive at these other companies. They'll just go be an executive here. Often it's quite a new journey. Maybe they were a researcher before or they were a farmer before. And so you're having to kind of translate between skills and attributes they might have in other contexts and how they're going to apply to running this business. So that's kind of your risk management side of it when it comes to trying to work out the risks and challenges that you're looking at in startups. Yeah, absolutely. And that would apply to the technology and the, the traction part, the market part as well. Again, like it's one thing to be able to build the widget, but if no one wants it, then you don't have a business. Or it's one thing to identify the problem, but if you can't solve it, then you don't have a business. And so how do we balance the set of unknowns and the set of risks that we face in the really early stages recognizing that if we do get in at the early stages and those risks pan out, they are able to do it. There's huge upside in terms of you know, impact to industry and financial returns, ideally. Working with these companies, how do you then help them grow and scale their businesses? And, and what kind of support do you give them beyond, here's the check, which is obviously a very exciting thing for them, but it's more involved than that, I'm sure. 
Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's been a really humbling journey, too, because I think there's a lot of investors say they're high conviction or high support. And that can mean like, oh, you know, we'll we'll get in and do this for you. We'll build that for you. And ultimately, if we wanted to run their businesses or build their technologies, you know, we're in their own business. It's we're investing in them to be able to do it. So it does take, you know, a good degree of humility to even figure out when can you be helpful and is asking for help actually just creating more work for them. But some of the key ways that we do help is really translating to that tech and venture capital side of things. Some of our founders, again, come from the farming world or the research world. And so they're not fluent in how to build their next pitch deck or the kinds of investors they need to talk to offshore to grow or how to build those next level financial models or whatever it might be. So that kind of fluency with venture capital is something we can help a lot with. The other one is because we spend 100% of our time in food and ag and we don't just look at software, you know, you can't eat software, we have quite a bit of familiarity with and, and connection to different technical experts and different industry experts. So being able to connect those dots to whether it's potential customers or advisors or team members that are food and ag specific, you know, that's really our bread and butter and where we spend all of our time. The way you describe it also sounds very satisfying in terms of like, look, we're here to help you grow as opposed to take control of your business. I mean, you're enabling and watching people prosper, really, and maybe fulfill their dreams. Oh, well, I mean, ideally, there, there's truly nothing better than um, going out to visit one of these companies and see something that six months ago or two years ago was just a sketch on a piece of paper and has truly come to life. You know, there's robots actually spraying or harvesting or managing waste, or there's traps, you know, actually detecting pests, or there's coatings going on paper. Like it's it's astounding to see these things come to life. And if I ever get disenchanted or, or frustrated, I just have to go visit one of these companies and see how amazing it is in real life. Well, you've alluded to it there. I mean, what are some of these companies doing? Yeah, so um, our first investment was a company called GoTerra. They're a waste management business that has built modular infrastructure. So think of like a 20-foot shipping container that's fully environmentally controlled and manages organic waste. So what comes off of our plates or out of our hotels or out of our office buildings or in the back of a supermarket right now gets trucked to landfill and buried in landfills. That trucking is costly and those landfills are filling up and it has quite a significant emissions footprint. And so GoTerra's modular technology, those units, manage that waste on site using a biological process. So that's one investment on the kind of food and, and waste part of the value chain. At maybe the other end would be someone like Swarm Farm Robotics, who is a farming couple, Andrew and Jossie Bate, who founded the company and said, you know, we're really running up against the limits of current equipment and need to find a better way. So they've built an autonomous platform, robots that go through the paddock and do different jobs like precision spraying. So they are managing now over a million acres commercially in Australia with things like scene spray technology, saving up to 98% of chemicals, reducing soil compaction, saving on fuel, saving um, or solving labor challenges. So pretty astounding technology, homegrown on the farm um, out in Queensland. Sarah, truly remarkable technology and game-changing technology by the sound of it. So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are seeking funding for their own ag tech startups? And, And what are some of the common mistakes you think they should avoid? So I think the first one is understanding what you need the money for and what's the business plan, what's the use of those funds. 
And then what's the right kind of capital to partner with? So we're venture capital investors. You know, we really only got one tool in our toolkit. We look for a certain return profile. We look for a certain risk profile. But that doesn't mean that we're the best investor partner or that it's the right fit for you. So I would say start with what do you need the money for? How are you going to deliver that money back? If at all, is it a philanthropic investment? Is it you're going to pay back dividends? Like what's the plan? Who is the right investor partner? And then it's about, you know, go going through those possible partners and connecting with them. And I would say qualifying them just as much as they're qualifying you. There's sort of this narrative that investors are assessing you and they get to say yes or no. Well, you also get to say yes or no to whether they're a good partner. So don't be afraid to ask them questions and put them on the spot to see if they're going to be a fit for you, just like they're seeing if you're going to be a fit for them. That's very good advice. Most people view it as a one-way street. Indeed, which is pretty silly, right? Because it's absolutely not. And as investors, we don't succeed at all unless our companies succeed. And so it really has to be that partnership. And it is going to be a give and take. Like We're going to ask for reporting and information and like we'll be annoying sometimes other times we'll be super helpful and we'll give you money and we'll make connections and we'll open up networks and we'll run support groups you know there's tons of stuff we do but it is a partnership and there is give and take so it's worth qualifying whether it's a fit early on Sarah you said earlier on in regards to trying to check out the bona fides of some of the startups you alluded to the sector being somewhat early in its development in Australia. So how do you see the ag tech industry here evolving in the next five to 10 years? And what are some of the most exciting opportunities and challenges you see on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, Australia is truly a a unique and remarkable place. And I wouldn't have stayed here. I'm American originally, as you can tell by my accent. Like, I would truly have gone back to the US if I didn't think this was a world class place to be commercializing and growing agriculture technology companies. We have a great food and fiber industry because we've invested in research and technology. And it's a exciting opportunity to think about how we'd commercialize those innovations and scale up those companies and create those jobs as well. And, and that's really what we're all about. So I think there's tons of areas, I mean, around sustainability and resilience, around natural pressures, around supply chain pressures, And then all different kinds of technology stacks from biologicals to robotics to different kinds of software innovations or material science innovations, manufacturing innovations. So it's truly limitless in terms of applicability along the value chain and Australia's strength as a food and fiber producer to also become an agriculture technology producer and exporter. And and that's really exciting to us over the next five to 10 years. You've alluded to it there a little bit. I get the impression you see ag tech as a very important part of addressing global challenges like climate change, food security, and you've used the word quite a bit, sustainability. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's part of our mandate. So when we screen for companies, we equally look for their financial upside and their impact, as we call it, upside. And for us, that's a combination of ecological resilience, decarbonization, or an adaptation and resilience. And we believe those are the key trends really driving the sector forward. Sarah, you work in a fascinating space. You're helping people achieve their dreams in terms of their business outcomes, but you're also involved in helping solve some of the problems that are facing the planet. Sarah Nolet, co-founder of Tenacious Ventures, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this AgTech Innovators podcast. Thank you, Drew. It's been a pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to AgTech Innovators. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.